0: This is The Breakfast Wrap with
1: John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Thursday, January 26th. The snowfall warning is over and the city digs out. Looks like we'll have a little bit of light snow today. A little on the gusty side and a high of minus one degree. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, southern Ontario digging out from the snowfall. Number two, transit workers nationally say enough is enough. Number three, Justin Trudeau shrugs off protesters in Hamilton. Number four, Pope Francis says laws against gays should end. And number five, an asteroid bearing down on planet Earth.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Hey, happy Thursday. How you doing so far? Minus 4 degrees, so a little bit on the chill side, especially relevant, you know, comparative to where things have been this winter. But the big deal would be if you are lying in bed right now staring at the ceiling and wondering how much do you have to clear off the car, it largely depends on where you are. Now, my read is, and this may change as the morning continues because we'll be hearing from people via text, we'll be hearing from our traffic desk and other sources, but certainly my take from what I had to clear off the car and what I had to drive through this morning that we're in pretty good shape. In terms of uh, clearing off the car, it was like two minutes with a broom because I guess the temperature was such that it didn't grip to the windshield in the windows, so I didn't have to scrape anything. There was only about two or three centimeters on top of the car. And uh, driving in, surfaces are certainly not bare, but it's also not some sort of a perilous, a slippery journey. Now, mind you, my trip is from Young and St. Clair to downtown Toronto. And the closer you are to the lake, the easier it's always going to be. Uh, Lisa Morales says that her trip in from Nick Marina, help me, she comes in from Barrie, doesn't she? Caledon. Okay, Caledon. Well, and that strip is, uh, is often a problem. So she said, yeah, they got a lot more snow there. So her commute was not quite as easy. So I don't want to entirely lull you into a false sense of security, but the big deal would be that the snow seems to have tapered off at such a time that plows got on top of it. Salters got on top of it. And so the morning is not going to be uh, hell on wheels. However, We will update the situation as we go along because somebody may write in from one location or another and say it's a slippery mess or there's so much snow here. I don't know what I'm going to do. So we'll see. And I do know there are um, in all likelihood some cancellations. Do we have officially any bus cancellations at this hour? Joe? York Region School District and the Catholic District. But I haven't seen anything else yet. All right. So, uh, we'll, well, I've already said, we'll continue to update the situation because it, it is highly geographically specific. But the timing seems to have been on our side. And actually... One so of the
2: things, John, I think if you give yourself a few extra minutes, yeah, the roads may not be as bad, or if they are, giving yourself the extra minutes, you won't have to rush in. And you don't have to speed on the highways because um, it is really important to keep to the speed limit or less. So, giving yourself a few extra minutes will help a lot. <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, I'm not going to encourage people to speed. But. I just did. No, no, no.
2: But a lot of people were speeding. I was driving <laughs> on the
1: Gardner. Where did you and come, and where you come in from? you whizzing by. Wow. Yesterday morning during the show, we heard that uh, two TTC workers were being chased around by somebody with a syringe. That person was taken into custody. Um then, and then we learned of the 16-year-old boy who was taken to hospital with injuries after being stabbed on board a TTC bus. This happened, Bloor Street West and Old Mill Trail. Uh, this was around the same time, and unrelated, if I'm understanding things correctly, to a service interruption yesterday. It led to a whole bunch of people being turfed out of the uh, Bloor Line and having to get onto shuttles or, you know, just hoof it. Um, but all of this sort of coalesces in terms of of becoming a theme around the idea that people just don't feel safe on public transit right now. Uh, I was noticing Matt Gurney was tweeting yesterday that he took the TTC three times in one day and every single trip there was somebody aboard or in the station that he encountered who he found disturbing. Let's say that. And uh, today on our show, we're actually going to be talking to a representative of a national transit union organization, and they're calling for a national task force. Violent attacks on public transit have reached crisis levels, says the president of a major Canadian transit union. And uh, then they cite the fact that Toronto has had this spate of violence. So... I guess, I, I mean, I don't know what a big hearing is necessarily going to establish. I think we know what the problem is, and I think we know some of the measures we could adopt to address the problem. But I also think, and I was saying this on the show yesterday, that we kind of need just this sort of, uh, hey, everybody, you know, sort of like you're in a room with a bunch of rowdy people, and you just say, everyone shut up for a moment. We We need to press the reset button. And I kind of think that's what we need on... Toronto transit. But I'm also looking at, let me find this cuz there's there's just so many stories worth talking about today, but so for me it's about putting them in order and prioritizing and but there is a survey about how people feel about using public transit. And the funny thing here is this survey was commissioned by Hitachi Rail. They're the people who are going to be actually building the trains that are going to be used on the Ontario line. So they have an interest in public transit. But they find this sort of um, disconnect. They actually did the survey about perceptions of transit systems in eight cities. Washington, D.C., Toronto, London, Paris, Dusseldorf, Turin, Dubai, and Bangkok. And they found, especially in Toronto at least, uh, Toronto heavily favors driving over taking public transportation. 63% say their idea of the TTC Uh, they would prefer to be in their car than on the TTC. And that's understandable. And actually, probably a lot of you people listening right now are like, uh, dude, I'd love to be able to take my car. I can't afford a car or I can't drive into the downtown or 20, $25 a day for parking is more than I am capable of paying. So they found people prefer cars over public transit. But then Rather curiously, you know, lots of people agree that they think that public transit is a great idea. So they like public transit, but apparently for other people. Uh, Factors cited for not wanting to be on public transit include crowd avoidance, cost, and then there's just the convenience of using a personal vehicle. And a whole bunch of people listening right now, you may be amongst them, you know, already know. You get into your car, you're in your own space, you control your climate, you can just listen to the radio and cruise along. And even when you get into traffic, you still prefer that over hoofing it to a subway station, getting on the subway, being crowded in with a whole bunch of people changing cars because there's kind of a sketch person on the seat next to you.
0: All right, time for what Toronto is talking about with Talk 1010's John Moore. John, great to see you again. Happy Thursday. Let's talk about the snow because it certainly came yesterday and many people were digging out, but this is not the last of it. We'll see because more is on the way.
1: Yeah, but I think the question a lot of people are waking up mm-hmm. to or people who have already hit the roads are encountering is, okay, how bad was it? It's highly geographical, obviously. As mm-hmm. you move away from the lake and as you move to the west, there's more snow. Uh, in Midtown, it wasn't so bad. And I think timing, Jennifer, was on our side in all of this because it seems that the snow tapered off in time for plows and salters to get on top of the situation. So people are going to have to account for a little bit more time in their commute today, but it's not going to be heck on Else.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're still waiting on a few uh, school boards to decide whether their buses will be canceled, whether schools will be canceled. But I feel like we've seen more snow than this before, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, and, you know, it was something to go through yesterday afternoon and it was mm. definitely a threat to the afternoon commute, but I think this morning we're waking up to a situation we can get a handle on.
0: Yeah. My sister was stuck on a stretch of uh, traffic in the city for over an hour and, you know, she had to use a washroom. She had no choice but to get out of her vehicle and uh, find a bush, essentially.
1: Oh, my. Yeah, I
0: know. That's cool. that's desperate. She's ne- she's never told me about a situation like that before. So when you say geographical, I understand some parts were worse than others. Sorry, Tiffany, for embarrassing you. All right. Uh, turning to something more serious, John. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is very serious, John. We've seen... Um, five attacks since Saturday on you know TDC property, but the transit union, the amalgamated transit union, they're, they're now calling for a national safety task force. This, of course, after a 16-year-old boy was stabbed at Old Mill Station.
1: This is definitely something Toronto's talking about. We had during our shows yesterday morning this uh, case of Young and Dundas where somebody was chasing around transit workers with a syringe. As you mentioned, a 16-year-old mm-hmm. who was stabbed. It just seems, I mean, even if you go through Twitter friends of mine observing that they've been on a public transit and they don't feel safe anymore, or they see sketch people, they get off, they get back on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be talking today with uh, the president of the Amalgamated Transit Union of Canada, John Danino, who's going to talk about how they want a national task force to tackle the issue of violence on public transit. And, and the real major issue, aside from matter of public security here, is that people just aren't going to want to use public transit anymore. They're not going to get on board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know many people who who are terrified of getting on a subway or or TTC bus and, you know, their job kind of depends on it, too. All right, turning to this, John, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was swarmed by a group of protesters at a Hamilton restaurant. What happened here?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to get a handle on how serious this was because various people describe the crowd as being about 20 people, others say there were 100 people. Uh, they're very angry, clearly, and Justin mm-hmm. Trudeau's security team had to make sure he could be escorted out. But I guess the big question would be more conservative media are insisting this is some sort of a groundswell and Canadians just as a, as a gang don't like Justin Trudeau. Others are saying this is sort of, you know, people who would normally have been part of the convoy protesters who would have shown up anyway because They just don't like Justin Trudeau.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, well, at least no rocks were thrown uh, this time, like during his uh, his (laughs) campaign. Uh, And turning to this, uh, Ontario NDP MPP Jessica Bell, she's calling for more uh, speed cameras.
1: We have 50 speed cameras right now in Toronto, two per ward and the NDP MPP, Jessica Bell, as you mentioned, she's going to join us on our show today is calling for more cameras to be deployed in and around Toronto. In the first 20 days of 2023, 88 pedestrians have been struck by vehicles. That's up from 50 last year. Now, a lot of that may have to do with the fact that more vehicles are on the road, more people are walking in the downtown, but it's still a matter of concern.
0: Yeah. Uh, For sure. All right, we always end with something a bit lighter, John. Uh, Dog influencers are barking to the bank. This is big business, so if you don't have a pup, maybe it's time to consider getting one and opening up an Instagram account for it.
1: Yeah I don't know if you have a pup but no. uh, I do and I'm beginning to think mm-hmm. I should be exploiting him a little more because <laughs> there's a very funny profile in the Globe and Mail today about dog influencers and the incredible thing is the average Canadian spends about four thousand dollars a year between food and booties and leashes ah. and toys and uh, you know chew things for their pooch which is why some dog influences are, influencers are making some pretty good coin. Uh, one person who was profiled in this article made. $50,000 last year. And you can make about $1,000 a tweet or an Instagram post depending on what you do. But, you know, let's say you put a new collar on your doggie and you take a picture of it mm-hmm. and you put it on Instagram. That's good. That's good advertising for the person who made the collar.
0: Wow. Oh, everything's a business. Giving a whole new meaning to hot dog. All right. News talk 1010's John Moore. <laughs> Always a pleasure chatting with you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
1: Jennifer Shang over at uh, CP24, our sister television station, and yeah, I guess I got to get busy with uh, Rory, I mean, he's kind of a freeloader in our house, and, you know, he's a cute dog, I guess I could be marketing him somehow. Uh, and I follow some of these accounts. I can't say necessarily that I've been influenced by any of them. I don't think I, we, we certainly haven't changed the food that we're feeding him. And I'm not a big fan, as you probably know, of dressing up dogs. I, I just figure, you know what, they survived millennia the way they are. They don't necessarily need a sweater to go for a walk. But more on this particular profile moving forward, because I think people are always going to be interesting in side hustles, interested in side hustles. And the idea you could make $50,000 a year by taking a couple of pictures of your dog. And let's face it, once you become an influencer, then people start sending you all this stuff for free. And in the in the hopes that you will market it for them, because it's um, the the cheapest publicity these days is influencers. I mean, Prada can take out an ad in a magazine for $50,000, or they can send a free $3,000 bag to Beyonce. And if she appears publicly with it, it's worth like $3 million.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Happy Thursday morning. It's 537. And hey, if you want to give us an update on what you're encountering, In the aftermath of the storm, and I get it, uh, east of Toronto itself, they're they're still getting snow in Durham County, Uh, but you can give us a call at 416-872-1010, 416-872-1010. I can only give you the read that I get from the traffic desk, which is Lisa Morales coming in from Caledon said that it was a bit of a slog, but it wasn't the end of the world. And then Nick Marano said that people were... What was your issue? People were speeding on the uh, on the Gardner?
2: Yeah, I come from the West End, and the, yeah, they were just zipping by as if it was a sunny day in
1: June. Oh, okay, but, I mean, it wasn't slippery such that you were... And it wasn't throwing up enough stuff on your windshield that you were all distressed, was it?
2: No, but I was waiting for that car to get off the Spadina ramp, which he did, and almost slid off the ramp.
1: Oh, okay. There's always a certain degree of satisfaction in that, isn't there? I always remember a guy whipping past me, blowing on his horn once. This was years ago in Montreal. And not that I wish ill on this individual, but when he uh, plowed into a pole three blocks later, I thought, okay, I guess we could have seen this coming. Uh, Like I said, if you want to let us know of any special circumstances where you are, 416-872-1010. My own experience this morning was Went outside, it seems that the snow had ended a good long time ago. Not that much on top of the car, to be honest, and no issue in getting to the street. So there was, I don't don't even know if my street's been plowed, so there was no snow banks. And once I got into the main street, which is Avenue Road, it was not dry or even bare yet, but it was also not that much of an issue. So. You know, yesterday afternoon, the afternoon commute, I've heard from people saying that they spent a good long time backed up in traffic and sliding sideways in a couple of spots that I'm I'm sure this is, again, highly regionally specific, but on my street, the temperature was just at such a point that the snow was snapping under my boots. It was a very bizarre thing. If I, I was thinking I should record this, this is really kind of cool, but there's a lot of construction in the neighborhood and a lot of traffic. So I don't think it would have necessarily registered if I tried to record it. But it was a funny little thing that um, I, I have not experienced before that with every footfall, it wasn't just sort of the average crunch you might encounter with snow. It was actually snapping. Meanwhile, uh, as concerns public safety on public transit, we, we, I think, have reached a certain, I don't know if we can call it crisis point, but people are definitely sounding the alarm. Yesterday on our show, John Tory revealed that he was calling for a national summit about uh, mental health issues. And um, actually, we have that clip, do we not, Um, Nick Marano of, uh, yeah, John Tory yesterday, Um, clip number 20. So this was John Tory yesterday morning saying that he would like a summit on mental health. And on the occasion of Bell Talk Day, that was very timely. But also, when you consider the number of issues that we have had in the city of Toronto that seem to involve Um, people having mental health challenges, some of them homeless, it was also very timely. You know, if we got together the premiers, who of course have overriding responsibility for health care, the mayors of the big cities who are the ones that are on the ground actually, you know, dispatching the ambulances and running the kind of social service programs sometimes funded by these governments, and the federal government, which has national responsibility for all these things, including you know, the drug laws and other things that it would really help us to, you know, to, to galvanize ourselves into action because it's just not working what we're doing now. There's a mental health crisis, uh, not just in Toronto. When I raised this with my big city mayor colleagues, they all face exactly the same things that Toronto does. Meanwhile, on the TTC, it's become a real issue. I mean, we had two incidents yesterday, one involving a teenager who got stabbed, another one involving two workers who were chased around by somebody with a needle. Uh, Rick Leary, who's the CEO of the TTC, says that they are paying attention to the situation, obviously, and they're looking at more special constables. We listen to what our customers ask. We're hiring more special constables. We're working with the police for visibility, putting streets to homes in the stations, managers, supervisors. We bring everybody in for the visibility invests, right? It still persists to continue. Mental health issues are out there, and we're bringing the people to the table. What do we need to do for housing and mental health? And coming up after the news at 6, I want to play a report for you. When I'm driving in in the morning, I listen to, I review everything that I saw in the evening news at 6 p.m., and then I listen to the national news as well. And there was this report that was, and I get it, in journalism, is what we, or in media, whatever, it's what we often do. It's like, um, you know, how to protect yourself against the heat. And in this case, it was talking with a safety expert about how to be safe on the TDC, And I thought, has it really come to this? You know, this guy talking, offering like five tips on how not to be stabbed while you're riding the streetcar. I would prefer that we find a way where you don't have to worry about being stabbed on the TTC as opposed to spending all of your time. I mean, it's kind of like in the U.S. where shooting sprees in schools are so common. They make bulletproof knapsacks for kids now. How about we, you know, go upstream? And stop the shooting spree before we try to find a means for kids to hold up a knapsack so they don't get killed. Um, Speaking of random attacks, and this one did not actually happen on the TCC, but this was kind of, for me anyway, a definitive moment in the last few weeks in our city where I thought, okay, something's wrong and we got to do something about it. 89-year-old woman who was pushed to the pavement and killed in downtown Toronto last Friday, the guy accused of having done it, is declining to appear in court. Fine. I don't care. Stay in your pretrial detention for as long as it takes. Um, I don't know if he's trying to make a point or perhaps there should be some sympathy involved here because apparently he has mental health issues, but... um, I just, yeah, I, I'm not going to sweat because pretrial detention is a big issue for an awful lot of people, understandably, because the facilities where people are held pending their trials are pretty horrible and you always have to bear in mind there's the possibility they're not actually guilty. So they'll spend 18 months awaiting trial in order to be acquitted and it's 18 months out of their lives. In the case of this guy, not to presuppose too many things, but again, sympathy's not running all that deep. Um, We'll get to this in a moment because I think it deserves uh, deeper treatment than we can give it in the seconds we have before we get to traffic. Um, But Justin Trudeau was swarmed by a group of protesters in Hamilton. As you may know, the federal cabinet is in retreat in Hamilton, getting ready for a new session of parliament, and Justin Trudeau was heckled and, and surrounded yesterday. How seriously do we take that in terms of this being a pulse of the national mood? I'm not convinced it's that big a deal. I have been following prime ministers for decades and they're always dogged by protesters. But there are certain media outlets who will always take something like, you know, two dozen people yelling at the prime minister as some sort of a national pulse on the fact that his day is done.
0: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: So we'll talk to Dan Riskin about that asteroid because I actually don't think it's scheduled to hit Earth. It's just going to be flirting with us. And much as everybody loves the idea of some sort of a doomsday scenario involving an asteroid, just from a dramatic perspective, um, it's you know, it happened once, wasn't good for the dinosaurs, but uh, it doesn't it's it's just something that's not necessarily in the cards. And, as Dan recounted in a previous, file. We've already done this experiment where we actually succeeded in diverting uh, an asteroid. It wasn't headed to Earth, but we wanted to know, okay, if we sent some sort of a device up there to try to alter its uh, trajectory, would that work? And apparently it did. I always thought it would be hilarious. Well, not hilarious because we'd all die. But if w- by diverting that asteroid, we actually it wasn't on a course to hit Earth, but then once we hit it, it was on on a trajectory toward Earth. And I suppose at some point, if we're going to discuss this, Nick Marano, we have to play some Aerosmith. So we'll get to that eventually. It's
2: all queued up, ready to
1: go. Is it? Okay, but now I've, it's kind of anticlimactic because I've, I've already talked about it.
2: Uh, we're not going to tell you which one it is.
1: Okay. Well... I mean, there's only one number one hit that they ever had. It's one of the great things in pop music history. You know, there's all these kind of trivia items. And one would be that Aerosmith has done well, but there was always something bigger than the song they had at the time that they had it. So they were kept out of the number one spot on the Billboard chart for their entire careers until Barbara Streisand said something, I think, in a Barbara Walters interview about how she doesn't want to fall asleep when, because she's so in love with her husband, she doesn't want to fall asleep because she doesn't want to be without him. And Diane Warren, who incidentally is nominated for an Oscar for another song again, uh, wrote the song, I Don't Want to Close My Eyes. And boom, finally, finally, Aerosmith goes to number one on the charts. So Justin Trudeau swarmed by a group of Angry protesters in Hamilton. And you know what? It's hard to get a fix on whether or not there's any special significance to this particular protest. Because I know that the convoy protesters and people who never liked Trudeau to begin with, and let it not be forgotten, that, you know, like 78% of voters don't vote for Justin Trudeau. So maybe he is genuinely unpopular. But is this some sort of an insurrection? Is it, uh, you know, to-the-barricades moment, or uh, in France? Or is it just these people who are perennially unhappy and seem to have nothing better to do than to protest who turned out in Hamilton? All right, I think you get the general tenor of the crowd. Uh, they had the F. Trudeau flags, an inflatable sheep. Uh, they yelled tyrant and traitor. Um, many of them actually had Canadian flags. And I just, you know, what? I, I, whenever it comes to stuff like this, okay, you can protest, knock yourselves out. Um, how about you go door knocking, print a pamphlet, make a phone call, donate to a political party, run for office, uh, or actually vote. I'm always curious. I'd love to go into a crowd like that and ask each and every person if they voted in the last election cycle.
2: So you mentioned inflatable sheep and I'm thinking there's a, there's a trend here. Didn't they have like inflatable hot tubs in Ottawa?
1: They did. They like inflatables. I mean, the sheep is a reference obviously to the whole vaccination business and how people feel that, uh, if, if you got a vaccine that you're a sheep, if you believe in COVID you're a sheep, if you agreed to the mask mandate, you're a sheep. Um, there's just, I find it hard to characterize this thing because with the convoy protesters again, there was, I get the people were unhappy. They didn't like the mask mandates. They didn't like the lockdowns. And you know what? Maybe we overdid it. And if we did overdo it, then I don't know why you weren't picketing Doug Ford, because Doug Ford is the guy who had the, some of the, outside of Australia and New Zealand, Ontario had some of the strictest anti-COVID measures, and it was not Justin Trudeau, it was Doug Ford. But, you know, because the people who don't like Justin Trudeau are conservatives. They somehow don't want to grieve Doug Ford, so they grieve Justin Trudeau. But there was also an aspect to the convoy protests and to what Karima Sad, who's a frequent contributor here, has encountered every weekend when she hits the road in her scooter and she goes to encounter these protesters who, like, I don't know about you, but I got better things to do on a Saturday, Sunday than to go walk in Yorkville because I don't like a mask mandate from last year. Um, But there is this sort of existential conviction that we're under some sort of dictatorship, that this government is illegitimate, that Justin Trudeau is a a grand dictator. And you know what? We have free elections. Knock yourselves out. If if you're if you think that there has been some sort of a seizing of power or something like that, there will be an election cycle soon and you'll have the ability to vote and organize and, you know, all that other stuff. Which actually, speaking of covid, the World Health Organization, again, the target of this particular group of people, uh, they believe that the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization are a globalist conspiracy. and uh, But anyway, the uh, WHO is going to be meeting on Friday and they will make up their minds as to whether COVID is still a public health emergency. Um, they first pronounced the pandemic three years ago. I remember the day. Um, I mean, there, there are a few marking points in this whole miserable experience. And um, one would definitely be the day that everybody said, work from home. Because it came on us rather quickly. I remember in the banking sector, they were about to organize a day where everyone would work from home as an experiment, just to see how it went. And then all of a sudden they said, get out. And then there was this, you know, probably two years in, I don't know, the Toronto Star did a feature with photographs or well, it might have been the New York Times, doesn't matter. The newspaper did a feature with photographs of, it was like Chernobyl. You know, offices that had been abandoned, dead plants, uh, half-empty coffee cups, dusty boardroom tables. Um, so, But one of the marker points was definitely the day they said, yep, yeah, it's a pandemic it's absolutely a pandemic. So I don't think it's going to measurably change your life. But on Friday, they may declare it's all over. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.